Hello, hello, and welcome to yet another episode of We Got This Podcast. And my guest this time around is Mitko Karszowski, who is the founder and host of That Remote Life, which is one of the most popular podcasts covering the remote work revolution and the digital nomad lifestyle. And we talk a lot about today the future of work and how to succeed in the changing economy. That's why we mention the gigification of work, the importance of personal brand in the economy of tomorrow. But we also talk a lot about artificial intelligence and how that and similar technologies will change, reshape how we do work and what work looks like and what's needed from us in the future. And we look at that through the lens of what has happened in the past, where through all types of evolutions and changes from the industrial revolution and the information information age, we've our work our jobs have changed they've evolved so it's not necessarily about how we stop this because that's very much fear driven and there's a lot of that around artificial intelligence but more about how we can utilize how we can evolve ourselves and the jobs that we do to use this as a tool to help us be better at what we do here's my conversation with Mitko Karszowski enjoy We Got This showcases individuals and organizations that create people-focused workplace cultures to help it become the norm rather than the exception. It's something that will require a mindset shift and probably not something that any of us can do alone. But together, together, we got this. Okay, let's do this. Usual first question for all my guests doesn't change, unlikely to change anytime soon. When you were little, who, what did you want to be when you grew up? I think when I was little, I really wanted to be an architect. I used to play a lot with like Legos. And I also, I loved the game Sims when I was a kid. Like, you know, where you'd like build a house and this kind of stuff. And so I really wanted to be an architect. But I remember I was also really fascinated with science. And I remember my dad bringing me, my dad used to be a teacher. He was like a, a gym teacher uh, when I was like really, really young. And he brought like a science kit, like with like all the like beakers and like this kind of stuff from school. And he was like, hey, this is yours. Like, go play with it. And I got very interested in science, like as like, like I thought there was like, oh, and like this is like really, really cool and that kind of stuff. But I've never had one of those like, I think it would change like every couple of years. And I've never had one of those. Like I have a, a friend of mine who's like, I met him when we were 13 and he wanted to be a doctor and he is now a doctor. Like He was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And that was like his thing. And I am not one of those people. I find people like that very annoying. Like, mm, in a, obviously in, yeah. a, in, a, in a jovial, jocular uh, way. It's just like... I, 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 Annoying and envious at the same time. They, they knew that. That's not me. Never has been. Very likely never will be. In terms of Sims, do I know it? Of course I do. I'm ashamed to admit probably how many hours, days I've spent playing that game. But let's leave that to the to the side. How did all these things, the architect, the, the Sims, the interest in science, how do you feel that connects to what you do now or does it connect to what you do now so i'm a weird person because i'm very creative and so when you like some of my friends like think of me as like a mad scientist like a mad artist like they kind of look at me as like this very creative person but then i also have this other side of me that's like very analytical very structured very like systems and like I'm really good at like, like I'm the person who, for example, like when we are going somewhere and is packing the car, I'm the person who's like, do not touch 
anything where it goes because I will find the most optimum way of like putting everything in the trunk. Like I'm that person. And I feel like those two normally battle and are actually kind of like at odds. And I struggle a lot because I like it. I feel equally comfortable with both in some way. So how do those things connect? I think like the sim stuff, like I really like that really plays on like the how does everything fit together and what is the best way to design this and like that sort of mindset. But I love experimenting and I love playing with ideas. I love trying new things. And so like to this day, whenever I like do any sort of like business consulting or coaching or anything like that, because I used to study biotech. So that was like what I went to. I went to college to study biotechnology. And so like to this day, whenever I talk about business, I'm always like, okay, what is your hypothesis? How do we test the hypothesis? How do we design that experiment? What are the variables that we're going to plug in into this? And I kind of like look at a lot of this stuff that way. And so that's kind of like how I think they've played out. But I, I'm one of these people that like, I don't like a plan is important, but I think the plan makes sense when you look back, right? There's this like really great speech by Steve Jobs where he talks about like connecting the dots. And a lot of people, essentially the story goes that when he was in college, he took a, a calligraphy course. And everyone was like, what are you doing? Like calligraphy, that's so weird. And he's like, I don't know. It's just something that I'm interested in. I thought it was like, cool. Like, let me go learn it. And Apple Mac was the first computer that actually introduced different fonts into their computers, right? And he kind of said like that, I connected the dots in that way, right? Like I didn't know how calligraphy was going to help me when I was 18 and in college. But six, seven years later, when we're putting together Mac, we said this would be really cool. And so I'm more that way where I'm kind of like shooting. I kind of think of myself as like a shotgun as opposed to like a sniper. And I connect the dots looking backwards. No, I, 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 that resonates with me massively, both business points of view, but also personal points of view, because I work with, with people on that very topic that we, we find often have to tackle that element of just, just do it. Just try that thing that you're talking about without thinking, obsessing over what this means how does that add to the bottom line or what you know what what are you going to get out of it in whatever financial non-financial terms because you, you don't know just try it taste it see what comes up you know enjoy it most of all if you don't enjoy it then maybe don't do it for sure but then if if you do try it and see what comes out of it because two months down the line two years down the line it might connect as you said with Steve Jobs so that that's very very a uh, good example there for sure. Because when you said that you used to be interested in being an architect, for me, that's straight away connected with what you do now, with the, the line of work that you now, because there is an element of design architecture uh, there. So I think it connects really, really nicely. But I'm, I'm also curious, how do you package all of that up? Because off air, we were talking about the importance of personal brand and the kind of the economy of, of tomorrow. How do people with varied interests, different things that they want to try and, 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 and to give them a go, how do they kind of, how do we, how do we package that? How do you package that with, with the line of work that you do? Yeah, I mean, that's an ongoing question. It's something that I'm still trying to figure out for myself because I am the sort of person that like, if you tell me, hey, listen, you're going to do this one thing for the next 30 years, but it's going to be very, very successful. You're going to make millions and millions of dollars, but you're going to work on this one thing. I don't know if I would take that because to me, that seems kind of like even if it's a guaranteed success and it's going to crush it, I wouldn't be interested in that because I want to like do a lot of different things. And so that makes personal branding more difficult. But I think what's important there is to view yourself as the umbrella 
And then all the other things that you do underneath it, you have to brand themselves, right? So that you're sort of like the production company that does this. And then if you have separate projects, they almost have to have like their own identity and their own brand in some way. You can't like there's a lot of people now who are like their personal brand is their company's brand. Right. We'll we kind of like see that a lot where it's like there's this one personality that drives the brand for the most part, as opposed to like that having like their like their product or their business having like a more separate identity. So that's kind of how I think about it is like when I do a lot of different things, I kind of talk about it. And, you know, like the way that I'm building out my personal website at the moment, which we're like revamping is like, hey. I am up here. This is what I do. But I also work on these things that you can like very clearly kind of see my entire umbrella of the different things that I'm working on. I used to work on this. Now it's shut down, but you can still look at it if you want to. Currently, I'm look, like working on these two things, like whatever it may be. And so I think that that way, not only does it make it simpler for other people to kind of understand what all of it is, but also actually it helps me because it kind of like helps me organize and go like, okay. These are the two things that I'm focused on right now. I used to work on this, this, and this, and this, but right now here's what I'm working on. So I think that that helps. Do you think then in going going into the future, going into kind of what, what the economy of, of work and gification of work will be in, you know, five, 10, 15 years time, we should be more aiming for being versatile and generalist-like uh, with multiple interests or still try and maintain some sort of very narrow focus in expert fields? I think it depends on who you you. The really hard part about the internet is that it all works. I can find you an example in which someone's very successful choosing route A, and I can find you an example of someone who's really, really successful ch choosing route B. You just need to know which route is your route and kind of like claim it and be really good at that, right? So I will say if you're a generalist, you need to be, you, you still need to have some specifics around it. Like, even if you're a quote unquote generalist, you're not actually good at everything. Like there's probably like three or four things that you can do that you like to. Do. But what I would say is like, okay, if you want to do those three or four things, be very specific about what those three or four things are and be very specific about who you do it for, right? So that you at least still like create some specificity, maybe not around what you do as much as who you do it for. And I think that the important thing there is actually like one of the things that a lot of research is showing is that we will very likely have more careers than our parents' generation. Because our parents' generation was like, hey, I'm an accountant and I do that essentially for like the next 30 years. That's like what they do. But because of how quickly technology is adapting and a new technology comes out and that creates a bunch of new jobs, right? Like I recently was listening to an interview with Chamath Palapakath. I I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's a very famous investor who was a very high level executive at Facebook while they were like at peak growth, like when they were crushing in like six, seven, eight, nine, 2006, seven, eight, nine, when they were like really like peaking. And they invented the position of like, I think like a data scientist where that wasn't like a thing. And then now it's like a very common job position so there we're going to be creating new jobs and jobs are going to be disappearing because of automation or they just get like canceled out or whatever it may be and so it's very likely that if you're listening to this podcast and you're like in your 20s or 30s or even if you're a teenager you're very likely going to have like three or four careers in your life and so having this ability to 
focus in on a career and then when you see that career going away, kind of stepping back and reassessing and saying, okay, what's my next career? So having that flexibility, I think is really important, which I think appeals to this like generalist mindset more than like, hey, listen, I want to be a doctor and I'm going to be a doctor for the next 30 years. Have you by any chance heard of or read a book called The 100-Year Life by Andrew Scott and Linda Gratton? What is the name again? The 100-Year 100, the 100 Life. No, I don't think so. It's basically, it, it's highly recommended to you and everybody else listening because it's talking about exactly what you just mentioned, that we'll have different careers. It looks it, it looks at different data, makes makes a lot of assumptions, of course, but looks at a lot of research. And the, the premise of that is we basically, we, we need to rethink our lives simply because if I remember right, and please don't quote me on this, I think people born in 1997 and afterwards, so from 1997, people born in that year have a 50% chance that they, they, that they will live over 100 years. And that likelihood increases every year afterwards. With that in mind, the simple example, at this moment in time, most countries, retirement age in most countries is around 65 to 68. Not going to be the case for people who live over 100 because retirement funds and all sorts of investments, they are meant to last you for 15, 20 years max, right? But the, mm-hmm. our life, length of our lives will increase. So where are we going to get the money from? Simple, simple, simple as that. And therefore, it gives kind of different variants, different scenarios of what might happen. And the, the one I really like, people, this was given with the example of women who might have kids in their late 20s, early 30s, then and had a career before that. And then they obviously focus for a few years on, on, on their family. But then when they come back, they don't go back necessarily to what they used to do and just kind of see it out until retirement, they're more likely are going to rediscover themselves, re rebrand themselves and re-educate themselves to do something completely different because they will have instead of 10, 15 years, give or take, depending how much time they spent with the, with the family, they'll have between 20 to 30 years left. And therefore people will be reskilling themselves around around the age of 45 to 50, give or, give or take. That's kind of the, the estimate. And there's that kind of fits in with what you said in terms of the multiple careers. Yeah, I mean, on the on the lifespan thing, when I was studying biotech, one of the most interesting things that I heard was this presentation and the the presenter, the speaker said, essentially he was speaking to like a bunch of high school and college students who are studying biotechnology. And what he said was, we have a life like expectancy for you. But at the same time, there's sort of this like, but it's very likely that something in your, in your life is going to happen that's going to radically change that so it's like your life expectancy on paper is like let's say 78 80 depending on like if you're a male female where you live like that sort of thing but with like an asterisk of like somebody could throw like a you know a curveball in here and that could change because we're we're very close to being at a position it could be 150 right like we like we're very close to making some sort of discovery there i think what's really important about that as well is like right now what we're seeing with artificial intelligence it's completely not what we thought it was going to do and it's far quicker i think actually changing the career landscape because like what i always heard growing up was don't worry like as long as you're creative like ai take that like it cannot be creative right it's going to take like analytical stuff first so be creative and that turns out to be complete bs because the very first place that we're seeing ai coming in is like what design copywriting 
coding, like these like kind of creative fields where you need to have that sort of like mindset. And that's what's really scary is I think copywriting is like a really great thing to go into as like if you're like a freelancer or something that you want to like build a career like that. Copywriting is awesome. I know tons of copywriters who make a very good living. But there's an asterisk to that to say like, hey, in like five, 10 years, that might not be the case anymore. Um, so it's very, very interesting. Do you use Notion by any chance? I do use Notion. Have you seen what they've released recently? It's an alpha stage. I got an email the other day that you can join the wait list. Basically what you just said, AI for writing. So they're adding Notion, AI into, into yeah. Notion to help you with all sorts of writing tasks from simple kind of thing to do lists, spell checks and translations okay. to uh, you can ask a question or and for, 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 for it to answer and, kind of, and, and create a paragraph or, or a, a mini blog post. Or you can throw in a bunch of text, a, lo a long text, and you can ask it to, to summarize it, right? So in one paragraph. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really crazy with, and it's very exciting, but at the same time, kind of scary because we're in this unknown of, okay, well, what's going to happen to these careers? I think they're going to evolve and it's going to be something different. But for example, I just saw Peter Faber, who is recently on my podcast, who's the founder of Surf Office. They were planning on hiring a designer in their company in order to what they do is like they do they plan work off sites for companies that are remote. And they were planning on hiring a designer to essentially showcase like, hey, this is like what your offsite could look like, like what the area in which it takes place could look like. And instead now he said they have they pay $30 a month for an AI that takes a picture of an interior, like what like a, a room looks like. And then you say, I want it to look like this kind of style. And it takes the room and it like makes it look like whatever style you want to look like. It's essentially like generating these ideas. That's kind of wild. That could have been like a designer's job. And now he's like, instead of paying a designer like X thousands of dollars per month full time, we just have this AI that does this. Yeah, I've seen these tools. I think once you click, obviously, the, the case is once you click on a link, then obviously all sorts of other things follow afterwards for, for days on end because the algorithm picked that up. Once I clicked on the link, I watched a video about what you just said, AI generating mm, images, drawings from from random words and things that you tell it to, mm -hmm. to draw. And it will do it. Like The most random thing that you can say, yeah. I don't know, alien from Star Wars holding up in a banana in with the background of trees and meadow and you know, very specific. And it will kind of will throw up this amazing image. And you kind of go, and within seconds, you kind of go, whoa. Impressive, scary at the same time. And this is actually something I've been digging into a little bit more. It's like not necessarily AI, how it's going to impact the way that we work but you know and what we do the roles that, it's, that are going to potentially disappear and appear as a result of that but most of all how it's going to impact how we work in terms of the environments that we create the company cultures that we create how we work together whether we co-located whether we're remote and the interesting thing is in the, the quite a few days that i've spent researching this there's actually not much out there beyond the the, the basics and everybody repeating the same argument and it really made me wonder why that is. Is it because we simply don't know and don't want to venture guesses? Or are we actually so blocked and afraid of what it might do that we can't think of anything? And to kind of try and connect the notes, or is it simply that unpredictable? I don't know. Like, what do you think? Like, let me ask you the question. Like, what do you think that they are afraid to? Like, how do you think that plays out that you don't think is being covered in those articles? 
I think what's not being covered is because we're, we're using the, the main arguments that are being used is about jobs will change. They are, there are some examples of how we can potentially use that in ana analytics, how we can kind of chatbots and all sorts of things. And what I'm not seeing is kind of the impact on how we're, for example, going to communicate, how we are going to address the certain fears and emotions that we have as individuals within organizations, right? Because AI is great and there is the, the theme that it will, it's better at predicting things that we cannot predict in terms of body language, in terms of kind of emotions and things like that, by simply AI removes all of that. So that assessment is apparently, supposedly makes actually quite a lot of sense. Is far more accurate because it doesn't have the gut feeling, right? And I, I, I really also do not know, and I'm, I'm, I'm stuck with that. There's only a handful of articles where somebody went a little bit deeper, scratched, scratched under the surface, and now it goes back a, a few, few months since I've, since I've done the research. But it's still something that really, really fascinates me. What, what is going to happen? How it's going to play out? And do we just simply let it play out and see what happens and adapt, as we said, kind of experience? try, taste, and, and, and see how it connects later on. So I think with things like this, in general, it's easier to use a compass versus a map. So what I mean by that is like when you think about a map is almost like step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. It's really well defined. But if you look at it as a compass, it may not give you step one, step two, step three. It'll say like head in this direction, right? And the reason why I say that is like if we go to like first principles, and think about what technology does and how we as humans interact with it is that technology like allows us to have more leverage over whatever it is that we're doing, right? So if we think about like someone, like if I needed to move something, I could pick up this like a bag of sand and move it and it's one bag of sand, right? If I now put 10 bags of sand and use a car, I can move 10 bags of sand instead of just having to manually move one after the other, right? So that's more leverage. You can think about that as like a construction worker using construction equipment, uh, like a digger instead of like digging it with a shovel. And so artificial intelligence is very similar in that it's going to give us more leverage. So I had a very interesting conversation with somebody who has a company and what they do is they essentially create custom AI for companies, such as like, automation bots and that kind of stuff. And what he was telling me was that in France, the government had actually considered creating a tax on quote unquote robots on automations because what they their hypothesis is, is that automation is going to allow workers to be more leveraged, like produce more which means you're not going to need as many workers, which is how governments get their tax monies through workers, right? So, okay, if there's less workers, we're getting less tax dollars because these companies are utilizing automation. So let's tax companies that are using automation, which is improving their, their profits, right? It's improving their margins. And so that's really interesting to me because I think we're, and in terms of like jobs and what that does to careers and that kind of stuff is that I think we're going to see far more like solopreneurs or one two person businesses that just have like an army of automations that are able to create way bigger results because there's so much more leverage through artificial intelligence and if you're thinking about like well I'm not a developer I'm not a coder one of the like 
if you're talking about a career path, a skill set that's with it, like literally there's a sniper on that skill set, it's developers, it's code. And so we could be in a position in five to 10 years where you don't need to necessarily know how to like code the way that we think about it right now, but the same way that you'd say, paint me a picture where there's an astronaut holding a flower on the moon with like whatever, you can essentially do that and like describe to a developer bot what you want and they can build that app for you. So to me, as someone who has lots of ideas and wants to try a lot of different things, but can't code, I'm so excited for that because I can't wait to be able to spin out like a, but like I want an app that does X, Y, Z, that does blah, 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 like whatever. Right. And so that to me is very exciting. And I think we're going to be in a position where, you know, you may have where it would took you 15 employees before. Now it might be three that just know how to like divvy out directions to an army of AIs. As you were saying that, I, I think for people like you and I, that ability is equally exciting and dangerous because I'm in that same camp. I just go like, oh, can you, can you, can you build me this? Can you code me this? I'd, mm. I'd, I'd just be able to kind of spend days on end doing that just kind of because I've got so many ideas and I like working in such a way that I, I, I'd be a community. I work with experts, right? I'm the person kind of in the middle. I've got, I've got an idea. I've got a concept. I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm a visionary from, far from it, but I'm, I'm kind of the instigator. Then I want to work with people who are far better at that particular thing. They've got that, they've got that skill than I don't. And yeah, having AI to do that, that will be, oh, the possibilities, possibilities are endless, which is really, really cool. I'm really the tough part did... about that. I'm sorry. The, the hard part about that is like a lot of people try to fight against that. Like what I just described that excites you and, and I is like, wow, that's awesome. But a lot of people are like, well, what's going to happen to my job? Like, no, 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 stop that. Right. It's going to take my job away. The truth is, historically through the entire life cycle of our civilization if you fight against technology you lose that is the underlying like story of our world of our human civilization to this point so to me i think that that's such a wasted it's such wasted energy of like trying to like fight against it or worry about it my whole thing is like spend your time figuring out how to utilize it and win from that. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that sounds terrifying to me. I don't want to lose my job because X, Y, Z. This might sound harsh, but the reality is, is like no matter how much you fight against it and slow it down, you will eventually lose. So just utilize it and learn how to use it to win. No, I, I second that. Absolutely. That's one of the main arguments that comes across any type of research that I've done in terms of AI that I mentioned. That's the number one argument that people are afraid of their jobs. So losing their jobs, right? And you're right. It, in a way, will I lose? Your, will you use your job? Like chances are, yes, you will. At least in the exact way it is now, it will have to evolve one 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 way or another. The best way to prevent yourself from doing that is not trying to block the way AI is going or any other technology for that matter. It's about figuring out how you can utilize that as a tool and convert that fear into excitement as you can or at least to make it make it neutral something that doesn't block you because yeah you're right you know it's it's it's, it's been throughout history from the industrial era and tools and different things you kind of always it, there's there's an element of job loss or, or should we call it loss or is it job it's evolution? a job transference because yeah. i mean you think about like the industrial revolution that had very similar like Things were being discussed where, you know, the United States was mainly an agricultural society where most people lived on a farm and they like, you know, did that sort of thing. 
And then all of a sudden you start getting machinery and people start finding out they can go to a city and get a job where they can earn more money. And that was a very similar thing where people were like, well, we're losing our farms. We're losing our farming job. But you transfer into like an industrial sort of position. And then you have the same thing with like the information age, right? Where those people that were working in factories, like, well, I'm actually just going to go work in an office with a computer. And, you know, the, the job just transfers. And it's scary when it happens within your work life. If it's like, you know, if it's like your parents and then you just went and became like your parents were farmers and you went to be like an industrial worker, the change doesn't hurt. It hurts when it happens during your in the middle of your work life. And that's what people are concerned about mm, because they don't true. have that flexibility. They don't have that muscle to say the 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 game has changed from you know farming to industrialized or whatever it is so like i have to now be like flexible and change the way that i operate if we move a kind of a level higher from that because we've been talking about individuals if we talk about companies have you noticed any changes in how companies approach implementation of ai on one side but then also managing that that transition to ai and in a way, make people help them deal with that anxiety, that fear of losing their jobs. What have you been seeing in in the in, in the markets, if you will? So, AI is only a chapter of that story. I think the bigger story with businesses is that over the next hundred years, like let's even say the next twenty to fifty years, businesses are going to shrink in size because not in size of production, but in the size of like like people. Because they have more leverage through artificial intelligence, they have more leverage through other technologies, and also the um, the cost of working with outside talent has reduced significantly. So there's a a paper called "The Nature of the Firm" that discusses it's a it's a a Nobel Prize winning economist who wrote this paper. Uh, his name is Ronald Rose. And what he talks about is that essentially a company wants to stay as small as it can because there's a lot of benefits to that. The, the costs of operating the business are lower. The company culture is better. The company is able to like navigate risk better. It's just a smaller ship you can move. You know, it's far more agile. But the company will increase in size in terms of like the number of employees because the actual like transaction cost is really high when it comes to like working with outside talent. And that transaction cost is not just like financial, but it's like, okay, so uh, think about it in like the 1950s. If you wanted to work with like a, like a freelancer, a contract, okay, well, this person's in, in Minneapolis, but our office is in New York. So we need to fly this person in and his family. We need to get him a house. We need to, you know, there's all of these other costs associated with it. Along with also like, well, how do we pay this person? And like, there's a bunch of these things. How do we communicate with this person? You know, there's it's it's a very difficult situation. Today, that's not the case. Like today, you go to Upwork, you sign up, you say, hey, I this is the project, and you get it done, right? And so because of that, companies, and we are already seeing this play out, where there's a company that may have, great example, Peter Faber, who I just had on the podcast, he said, we have 15 employees that are full-time, and then we have like 20 or 30 contractors that we work with on like a freelance basis, who handle a bunch of other stuff for us. So I think that is the model of the future, where the company and the core team that's full-time is going to shrink, and all the like 
the the holes that are quote unquote left over are going to be filled with freelancers and contractors who come in to handle something that's like repetitive, or you have expert consultants who come in for like six months to execute a very specific project that's maybe like higher, you know, you don't have somebody on the team that can do that. And then like a, an army of robots and AI that handle a whole bunch of like this other stuff that they can handle. So that I think is the, if you're talking about like, what am I seeing in the markets and how it relates to all of these things in terms of like the rise of freelancing and remote work and all that kind of stuff, they're all sort of overlapping on this general sort of story that's, that's playing out. Two things I want to I want to touch upon there. The, the first one is what did you say was the name of the reason? Was it the nature of the firm? The nature of the firm. The nature of the firm. And the author again? I think it's Ronald Post. The reason I'm asking because I'm, I'm I've googled it, as you were saying, and I'm I'm looking at it now. It's something that was written or created in 1937. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It is. Yeah. So he, I mean, he's essentially he's done this research on it. He lays out the kind of underlying like operating system of how these businesses work. He's not as he's kind of saying like, you know, that's when the business increases in size is like when it's really hard to work with this outside talent. He's not saying at some point there's going to be artificial intelligence and like free and, you know, he's not like he's sort of like explaining how that company works. But then when you look at it from our point of view, it makes sense the same way that like if you talk to somebody who's in like cryptocurrency and blockchain, they'll talk about the sovereign individual, which was written in 1997 and lays out a lot of this like underlying mechanism of the way that that whole world works without them actually knowing about cryptocurrency or that even being an idea. But they lay out the the thesis of it. And now there's all these people that are like reading, you know, the sovereign individual and like, holy crap, it's like the Bible. And they like predicted all this and Amazing. I genuinely find I find that amazing that they managed to to do that, and that kind of it does translate, transfer. However, it so it resonates with what we're going through and where we're going. And the second the second thing I wanted to mention that you in relation to what you said is actually based on some of the conversation I've been having recently because we're recording this in, at the end of mm-hmm. November 2022, and um, that process I think has literally just now got and will over the next year or so basically some will be jet fuel powered with the 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 amount of layoffs recently at all sorts of companies and then on top of all all of that the the potential recession or however you want to call that the economic situation again in 2023 and 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 beyond that that we are facing where there's going to be a lot of cost cutting cost saving and optimizing however you want to say that i think with especially with the tech companies and i say that with the utmost respect and and empathy for the people who have been affected with the layoffs there's been a bubble forming for a number of years with kind of a lot of companies going through hyper growth and there has been a lot of people you know it hasn't been optimized for getting the best out of people in in that form and that shift that you're saying of downsizing and having smaller smaller organizations with AI, I think that that's where this is now heading as a result of the the two factors I said, the layoffs and the recession in the coming in the coming years. Yeah, I mean, we're entering the the era of the individual. I mean, you're seeing this even in like political terms, right? Like the liber- like libertarianism has never been more popular. At the same time, you also have these ideals of like the sovereign individual and how, you know, what cryptocurrency enables you to like, quote unquote, be your own bank or whatever. 
And at the same time, we're also seeing people who are literally like one person businesses that are experts at what they do that are still generating like shit tons of money and have like really great salaries. So we're entering this era of like really high personal leverage. And we're seeing the like the rise of freelancing. Like to me, that's the future of work. When we talk about the future of work, it's far more individual. It's, you know, one person businesses with like a lot of leverage with a lot of, you know, like that to me is like, like I don't, the same way that people ask me, oh, like why were you so big into remote work in 2015 and 16, right? Before COVID, like after COVID, that makes sense. What I told them was like, I just don't see how remote work does not become the way that we work because if we're going to be an interplanet like a like a multiplanetary species we have to figure out working remotely right like think about if you're working like on mars and on earth and we have an economy that encompasses all of it you have to know how to work asynchronous because like it's going to be very difficult for you like to are you going to get on a call with Mars like it's kind of silly so I was like okay that's where the puck is going like Wayne Gretzky said like be where the puck is going so I was like this may take 50 years but it will eventually be right COVID just came around and sped that up by a lot I view exactly this the same way where it's like I don't know how long that will take but that's where the puck is going Oh, sorry. I, I couldn't. I couldn't stop laughing as you as you said that 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 uh, multiplanetary species. Uh, yeah, somebody working uh, in the office being on on Earth and somebody living on Mars. Hell of a commute. Hell of a commute. If the boss all, all of a sudden turns around, even though everybody comes back to the office. <laughs> sorry, can't make it. Can we at least? Can I be in the office at least Tuesday through to Thursday? Need the longer weekends. Yeah, you're right. I did, I've, I've never thought of it that way. But if we if we go that far into the future, then then yes, you're right. That's some, definitely something that we need to we need to consider. And, and this is what I mean by like, look at a comp, like search for a compass, not a map. So many people want to know like definitively like step one, two, three, four, five. And that doesn't really exist a lot. And if it does exist, it's not interesting. And so if you want to be interesting and you want to do interesting things, you need to settle for a compass and knowing how to read it. So my whole thing is like, okay, if you have these like hard, I don't know what the murky thing in between looks like, but I know that it's eventually going to be there. The same way that you're like reading a compass, like I don't really know what stands in between me and here, but I know that north is that way. And I just say like, that's my north and I'm going to work in this direction. Now I might meander left and right, but I'm going to head in that general direction. And I think that that creates a, a very good chance that over the course of your life, you're going to have a few great decisions that, you know, pan out in, like a, in a good way. With with that in mind, if if possible, if not, feel free to to go a little bit further. I'd like to ask you a question that I'm I've I've started pitching to to all my guests recently, and that is, is there a kind of do you have a favorite practice that you could you could try that listeners could try out, for example, to help them with that navigating with a compass rather than a, than a map that something that they can something tangible that they can try in the next week or two a month or two with them in for some for themselves individually or with with their teams again if it's if if you don't have anything specific for that are there any practices that you you use with the people that you work with your clients that you do you recommend for the kind of little small cultural changes or ways of work changes i mean if i'm understanding your question correctly i think something that helps with this is to like call your shot which is something that i like to do i'll give you how i do that in like a meta and a micro way which is in a meta way like like i said call your shot like 
okay, what do we believe? What do you believe as a person? What do we believe as a company in terms of like these, like whether the future or like why you do what you do? Like literally what I explained, which is like for me, I said, like for me, like the doc that was like, why am I going into remote work? And like, why am I investing so much into it? I just laid out as a thesis, right? On a small way, what I think is really important is like, I've been like workshopping this idea of like self-management, which I think is a, a skill that it's becoming increasingly more important as people are leaving the office and are working from home and they don't have a manager to which they're like, uh, essentially like outsourcing their management, right? So now they need to like take over their management again. And one of the really important skills is like, knowing how long something takes and being able to plan for that, right? So it's like, is writing this blog post going to take you an hour? Is it going to take you three hours? That really matters on how you structure your day, what you plan for the week, what your goals are, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really important in that is to like build a practice of calling your shot and then analyzing if you're right or wrong. It's not as important for you to be right as long as you actually stop and take a moment to assess whether you're right or wrong so that Next time you say, okay, I have to write a blog post, but last time I said it was going to take me an hour and actually took me three, I'm going to guess it's going to take me two this time because like whatever, right? So kind of like figuring out and making this like little, I don't know what to call it, like this like doc where you say a blog post usually takes me in between two and a half and three hours. Doing this takes me kind of like training your brain on that I think is really helpful. So calling your shot both in like a micro way like i just explained and then like a meta way of like uh we as a company or i as an individual here's what i believe for like the future and like why i'm deciding to do what i do i think is really important that that's that, that's definitely useful from the point of view that self-management element is 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 big isn't something that's probably we're not being we're definitely not being taught or trained that however you want to call that whether it be at school or at university i think but there should be more of that than now to kind of help prepare people for that because as you said you know when we're working remotely or without somebody standing over us that's something that we've been used to and conditioned for most of our lives it's difficult right it's self-management i often refer to self-leadership as well to a certain extent because it is that but it's it's uh, it's semantic right which one which one's which it's the, the concepts uh remain uh, the same you're a busy person you've got probably some exciting projects coming uh, coming up things that you're working on what's what have you got for the for the, for the remainder of 2022 and what you're really excited about in 2023 for the remainder of 2022 not that much because i'm going to thailand on saturday so i'm going to be there for a month so i'm taking it a little bit easier but at the moment i'm kind of exploring options so i'm working with clients at the moment to do essentially like fractional head of remote or fractional chief remote officer and I specifically lean in an operational sense. So that's where I, you know, I think like that position either flexes in like an HR field or it flexes in like an operations. And I, I'm definitely like more of an operations person. So currently I'm working with clients doing that, but also exploring like what's next because I just shut down a company that I've been working on for like a year and a half. So now I'm in this like, interesting period where it's both fun and like kind of scary and exciting of okay like what's the next chapter gonna look like so that's kind of where i'm at at the moment in terms of like if anybody like wants to check out some of my work or something like that the podcast is obviously the thing that is always there every wednesday and friday i publish an episode with very interesting people thought leaders and, and entrepreneurs in kind of the way they explain it is we cover remote work and digital nomadism through the lens of entrepreneurship and the podcast is that remote life and then if you are interested in remote work and digital nomadism and want to stay up to date 
on everything in that space because there's a lot of things constantly changing. I publish a, a newsletter every Monday morning called Remote Insider, which is kind of like a download of, hey, here's the most important things you need to know that happened in the past week. So you stay current and you can find that at the podcast and the, the newsletter or at thatremotelife.com. Uh, I'll, I'll be including the links to that in, in the show descriptions as well. So everybody can find that. Relatively easy. Are you considering a, a mini retirement by any chance in between? Or did not, it's not something that appeals to you? I've done mini retirements before and it's just not really like, I don't know, I get really bored. And all that that like mini retirement ends up being is like me coming up with like a hundred ideas. <laughs> like That's just kind of like what it is. So no, not really. I'm ready to do the next thing. Good man. Because I've I know what you mean about ideas coming up, but in a way for me, that's indicative that probably I should have done that sooner, simply because this is the first time I've got that mental space for my brain to kind of go, oh, how about this? How about that? Rather than constantly being engaged in other projects. So I'm kind of freeing up that mind to be able to do that. But the second thing, and this was a little bit worrying, I found it easy to not do work. Close my laptops, don't check my emails, job done. Easy. However, mentally switching off from, oh, I've got this thing in September, oh, I've got this thing in uh, November, whatever, that was kind of still there. So the mental stress anxiety element was still present and disconnecting on that level was very, very tricky. That's why I'm definitely going to try the mini retirement again with that in mind, just to kind of curb that a little bit. Mitko, it's been an absolute pleasure and joy having a chat with you. Thank you very much for for sharing the, the knowledge. We've jumped around with, with topics from all sorts of things about AI and and beyond and, and what, what the future holds. And then it's really, really, really exciting and interesting to talk to you. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's me again. Just one more thing before you take off. Head over to human.pm forward slash we got this. That's all one word where you can find this and previous episodes show notes, suggest a guest or topic, ask a question or join the community of other listeners. Until next time.